Every story in the Torah is a divine revelation. God had to come down to Mount Sinai to tell us the story. Then it must contain divine information. That's why when you read a story in the Torah, don't forget what you're reading. This is not a history book. It's certainly not fiction. God is trying to tell you something that you would not know even if you were the smartest human being in the world. So what's the story with Pharaoh? Who is this guy? One of the interesting things we know about Pharaoh, who was ruling over the land of Egypt when Moses came and warned him that he's going to get ten plagues, what we know about him is that he was a midget. They worshipped midgets. And so he was the supreme ruler. But he's quoted so often. Every conversation, what he said, how he said it, when he said it, he is quoted more often than almost anybody else in the Torah. Aside from Moshe, of course. So when you read the story, you get a certain impression. Then you got to stop and say, well, that's me. Now let's take a second look and see what is the Torah saying, not what I'm saying about the story. What is it with, with Paro? If he was just a stubborn dictator, out of his mind, you know, drunk on power and evil, why would he be quoted so often? Why would Moshe talk to him so often? Just tell him, you're in big trouble, and let him suffer. No ordinary person. There's something about Pharaoh that needs to be known eternally. So he represents an eternal message which means we have to dig deeper. We're not there. So let's try a little deeper. Not, not that it's the whole story, but it's at least a step further. Just the facts. Pharaoh enslaves the Jews. He says, build me cities storehouses and make it out of clay, out of mud and straw. If you wanna if you wanna go the mystical route, Pharaoh believed that he was God. Today we would call it a God complex. And he was a very, a very intelligent, very knowledgeable person. And he thought, if I was God, what would I be doing? So he took a look at what God was doing. And he saw that God chooses the children of Abraham 
as his servants. And what does he ask of them? To make the lowest world a home for God. That's pretty sophisticated stuff. So Pharaoh says, well, now, if I'm God, then they should be making the lowest world a home for me. So he enslaves them. He says, you are my servants. I am God. And you are the chosen people. So make the world a dwelling place, a home for me. And make it out of the lowest part of the lowest world, just as God asks of his people. Make it out of mud and straw. He had a very definite God complex. Now when God comes to the Jewish people and says, no, 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 you're my servants. He was correcting Pharaoh's mistake. His mistake was he thought he was God. Which might also explain why ten plagues. To correct the impression that a human being can be God takes ten steps. The ten divine attributes. So in order to recognize God fully, here's what you need to do. The lowest of the ten attributes is royalty. We say in our prayers constantly, God is our king. He is our only king. We have no other king besides him. That's the first step. The lowest rung on the ladder is only God is king. There is no other king. Kingship, royalty belongs to him. Now you climb the ladder. If only God is really king, he rules the world, only he does. What's the next step? And you go up through the ten divine attributes until you get to, let's say, kindness. Where is real kindness? Whose kindness is eternal and can be trusted, etc., etc.? Only God. That's called believing in God. Believing that only he is the master of the world. Only he can guarantee victory. Only he can be beautiful and bring together uh, conflicting uh, influences and powers. He is the uniter. He is the judge. Only he is the judge. Only he is kind. And then only he knows. The plan is his. Only he knows. So you go from Chachma, the highest of the, of the ten attributes, all the way down to royalty running the world. So each of the ten plagues uh, demonstrated the particular attribute, the divine attribute, that it belongs only to God. So what was the purpose of the plagues? To bring Pharaoh to the recognition that he is not God, he is not the king, he is not the judge. He is not the nice guy, and he doesn't know 
why the world exists. We have a Sunday night program for VIPs that you might be interested in. It's informal, it's questions and answers, it's conversation. It's really relaxed, it's really pleasant, enjoyable, informative, and uh, kind of community-like. It's a Sunday night program, there's a um, Wednesday morning program for the VIPs, and there's a Wednesday night program. All of it, just conversation, casual, laid back, unscripted. So join us, take a look, click uh, the link below and see which, which of the three suits you best and join us for some enjoyable conversation. And the rest, all 10. In the principle of the fallen sparks, Egypt contained by far the most sparks. Meaning to say, because Egypt was so dark and ugly and unholy, we know that there must be divine sparks that must, must be very, very powerful that were hidden, buried under the ugliness of Egypt. Because the way God created the world, the holiness is covered, it's concealed by the unholy. Which is why in the Kabbalah, unholy is called the peel, the shell. What does the peel or the shell do? It conceals the fruit. Because the fruit is delicate, it can be uh, spoiled, ruined, wasted. So the fruit protects it. I mean, the, 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 the shell or the uh, skin protects it until you're ready to eat it. The unholy covers up the holiness, protecting it until it's ready to be revealed, till it's ripe. The holiness and the godliness that was buried in Egypt was particularly um, interesting because what kind of holiness is so bright that it needs to be buried under such ugliness? Generally, we say probably Mashiach. The light of Mashiach is so powerful, what will it take to hide it. Like when you have a very, very bright light, putting up a little screen is not going to hide it. Two screens maybe? Three? Depending on how bright the light is. So we took a look at Egypt and we said, whoa, <laughs> what is the need for such opaqueness? What is it hiding? And yes, that was the beginning of the lights of Mashiach. And that's why we're told that when Mashiach comes, it will be like coming out of Egypt, only greater. So it began with coming out of Egypt, and it will conclude with the actual arrival of Mashiach. So listen to what Pharaoh was doing. 
He was playing God. He was not an ignorant, stubborn, um, evil dictator. And that's why he gets quoted. Because from his mistake, we can learn a lot. It was not the mistake of the ignorant. And so it needs to be understood, needs to be appreciated. One final thought. When Moshe comes and says, we want to go out into the desert to serve God, Pharaoh said, that's ridiculous. And he made sense. You're going to go out into the desert to practice a religion? You know what's going to happen. You're going to come running back. You're going to go crazy out there. It always happens. You're going to drink Kool-Aid. There is blood in your future if you do that. And he was right. That's what happened every time. Go into the desert and you come out with a religion? Please, spare the world. So, what was Pharaoh's mistake? Pharaoh was saying something very rational. An argument that is repeated every generation for all of history. The argument is, we're making great strides. Human beings are incredible. We're so creative, we're so inventive, we're so intelligent. Particularly Egypt at that time, very advanced. There are things they knew that we don't know in technology. How do you build a pyramid? Still trying to figure it out. How do you move rocks of that size? Don't know. They did. How do you embalm a body and keep it fresh for 3,000 years? We don't know. They did. So they were very advanced in many things. We call them, you know, Pharaoh's advisors are called wizards or magicians or astrologers. But they were the real thing. They called it, they called it magic. What it was was advanced technology. But they didn't share the information. That's another topic for conversation. Those who knew did not share the information. And so it died with them. But this is what Pharaoh was saying. We are on the cutting edge of civilization. We are the future. You want to go out into a desert. What are you going to become? Nomads? You'll amount to nothing. You'll disappear in the backwaters of history. You'll never be heard from again. Stay with us. Yeah, it's a big job. Backbreaking? Okay, but you got something to show for it. We're making history here. So be a responsible human being and talk your people out of this crazy idea of going out into a desert to celebrate a festival. Now, what was right about Pharaoh's argument is that he was basing it on an assumption that here are human beings looking for a religion and they want to go out into the desert and dance under the moon and howl or something and come up with 
an inspired vision of what life should be. It's crazy. He's right. What he did not know, nobody knew. The Jews were not going out of Egypt to find a religion. They were going out of Egypt because God asked them to meet him at Sinai. This was a this was a divine appointment that was going to change the world forever. They were not looking for a religion. They were responding to God's call. When that finally dawned on Pharaoh, so wait a minute. God wants you to go. It's not your idea. Well, in that case, how can you not go? And he forced them out of Egypt, drove them out. That's the, the real story behind the story. And that argument repeats itself over and over. We've lived in many countries where they were the superpower. They were the advanced civilization. They were the cutting edge of history. And the temptation to assimilate? Stop with the yeshiva, with the studying of Hebrew. Get, get with reality. Mankind has advanced greatly since then. Stop with this old-fashioned stuff. We've made progress and you're still behind the times. And this was a devastating argument that confused many, many Jews. But when we read that story, Pharaoh made that argument. He said, Egypt is the future. Judaism is done. It's over. It's for nomads. It's for shepherds. There's no future in it. But now, as we look back at it, where is Egypt? Egypt is in its mummies and in its pyramids. That's all that's left. Egypt is history. Ancient history. And where are the Hebrew-speaking Jews? who still pray in Hebrew and study the Bible in Hebrew, where are they? Everywhere. Influencing the world everywhere. So that really is the drama. Moshe is saying the future is Judaism. God's word, God's plan, that's the future. Pharaoh was saying, no, look. Look at what we're accomplishing. That's the rest of the story. Shalom Aleichem. How are you? You know, I do a lot of talking, a lot of Zooming, many classes, many subjects. But that's all formal stuff. Hopefully good stuff, but formal. We also have a Wednesday night meeting that's more informal and kind of um, Hamish. 
if you want to join us for that kind of an event, um, interactive, time for questions and so on, if you want to join us for this side of conversation, click on the link below and join us every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Well, maybe not every Wednesday night, but we try to make it every Wednesday night at nine o'clock, a more informal chat, which uh, can be more enjoyable at times than the formal stuff. So check it out, click on the link and join us. Try it, you'll like it. <laughs>